0: Good morning. Wait, let's try that again. Good morning. Hey, there we go. All right. Well, I know what you all are thinking. Here's the missions guy. He's going to ask us to go on a mission trip. That's usually Scott's job, but they brought in a guy because you've heard it from Scott a hundred times, and now David's out of the country, and Josh has got some pitch. He's going to make us go somewhere. He's going to ask us to go somewhere. And I'm not going to do that. I'm simply going to point out the fact that right outside these doors here, about two weeks ago, the church put up a missions wall. I mean, there's an entire wall devoted to the upcoming mission trips and mission partners that this church has invested time and resources and relationships to. And I'm just going to point out the fact that the church has upcoming trips to Greece. And we've talked about this before. Now, the Greece trip doesn't even count as a missions trip, okay? It's so ridiculously low bar, I hesitate to even mention it. But the Greece trip is going to take care of the kids of missionaries who are being flown in from all over the world to this, can I say resort? Can I say it's a resort? It's a resort in Greece, okay? So So I have a staff member who's just coming back from Greece right now And she called in to our staff meeting this week Just to show us the crystal blue water and the white beaches behind us Just to rub our faces in it And she called in just to do that And so you get to go to Greece to play with kids of missionaries While they're in meetings That's the entire thing, okay? So that's the first mission trip Okay, that this church is going to do so go to greece and then after that There's a trip to costa rica where we're going to put on a uh, a marriage retreat and a a marriage conference for people in costa rica Which that's going to be awesome And then after that there's a trip planned to new england where we're going to work with uh, church planters All that information is right out these doors and the trips are already planned Then there's a trip next year to germany. So I lived in germany for a year I can just tell you that trip's going to be awesome and I don't even know anything about it I just heard Germany, and I know it's going to be awesome because I lived there for a year. So that is my big missions push. You should go. But since we're on the topic of missions—see what I did there? (laughs) Since we're on the topic of missions, we are going to focus a little bit today on missions. And I think we need to kind of tease that apart because sometimes mission gets conflated with, you know, Sunday school answers and Sunday school topics, and we just get glazed over because you're all thinking— He's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do Have you ever been asked to do something you don't want to do now? Usually or go somewhere that you don't want to go, but you know, there's a good reason behind it So every example that I was trying to come up with this week when I was doing prep for this Was delivering bad news or doing something that was like kind of depressing And so I tried to come up with an example that was kind of funny So how many of you have ever played fantasy football? Anybody in here? Any guys played fantasy football? Okay, there were some like weak hands, like you're trying to hide it from your wife. Your wife knows. Okay, you play fantasy football. So fantasy football, for those of you that don't know, it's a long complicated thing. Basically, you live vicariously through people who are doing this professionally. Okay, you choose them to be on your team and then as they do real athletic accomplishments You take credit for it and you score points And then you compare the points that you scored through them through your buddies who picked different players Okay, that's the whole nature of it. Well the very first year that I did this We were doing it electronically, and and we were picking teams, and I got to my computer late, and so my team started auto-drafting. Well, I had put people in the queue the night before, and the first player that I picked was a kicker, okay? It was Jason Elam for the Denver Broncos. I'm a big Denver Broncos fan, and I stand by the kicker pick because he's a great kicker, but picking a kicker in fantasy football is like going on the show Survivor, And Them telling you you can bring one item with you and you showing up with a baggie full of strawberries Okay That's defensible Because strawberries are great. I mean who doesn't like strawberries, but When you go on survivor, you don't want to show up with a baggie full of strawberries You want it like a pocket knife or you know something really really useful so I, you know, I did okay the rest of that fantasy football season But I didn't talk to those guys a lot Because something you need to know about guys in sports Is that we're kind of competitive And we like to talk to other guys In not the most uplifting fashion Okay, we'll just put it that way So I stayed away from talking to those guys a lot Because they would like to bring up Jason Elam In fact, they would just look at me If I saw them, like in a grocery store I would pass one of them they go, hey, Jason Elam And then they just keep walking Jason Elam's a great kicker, by the way. He's in the NFL record books. I'm still a little bitter about this. Three years later, a buddy of mine looks at me and says, I need you to go to the live fantasy football draft for me. And I said, No, I'm not gonna do that. And he says, No, I can't be there, and I need you to draft my team. And I said, I don't, I don't care. I'm not going. And he says, You're one of my best friends in the world, and I need you to draft my team for me. And I said, I, 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 fine. I'll go. And I because I knew what was waiting for me, right? I knew these guys were just going to endlessly rib me and of course they did and I drafted him a team and he won the league that year Which of course I take full credit for because he didn't show up at the draft and I got endless amounts of ridicule for that So have you ever been asked to go somewhere that you didn't really want to go But you knew there was a good reason for it Have you ever been asked to do something that you didn't want to do but you knew there was a good reason for it? So as we think through that question today, we're going to tie that into What it's like to be a missionary because there are stories in God's Word of people being asked by God to go places And do things that they didn't want to do and that might be surprising for you Because you would think if the God of the universe the creator of the world asked you to do something Your answer would be yes, Lord send me but often in scripture God asks people to do something and they would say no or they'd make up an excuse or they would go to extreme lengths to not do that thing and we're going to talk about one of those guys today by the name of Jonah you might have heard that story if you ever attended VBS as a child you probably heard the story of Jonah well I guarantee you haven't heard the story of Jonah the way I'm going to tell you the story of Jonah today but Jonah is one of those guys, and Jonah was a missionary. Now, if you look up the word missionary in the dictionary, it just says someone on a holy mission. Okay? That's, that's the, the really inventive definition of missionary. But a missionary is someone on mission. A, you know, this is where we get commission. The great commission is where Jesus says to his disciples— Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey what I have commanded you. That's the very last words he gave his disciples. Before leaving, you'll find them at the end of the book of Matthew. You know, and then he says at the book of Acts, right before he goes into heaven, he says, you know, you will have power in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and, and to the ends of the world. He even says, here are the regions, here are the concentric circles that you're going to work. This is being on mission. And there's a difference between being a missionary and a messenger, okay? A missionary is someone who is on mission, who is invested, who wants to be there and has something to lose if the mission fails. A messenger is just a postal worker. You know, they get, play, they get something from point A to point B. Here's a little hat tip for you. You are not God's postal worker. He did not just say to you, be my messenger— he says, be on mission with me, and there's a big difference. So let's talk about Jonah, and let's talk about it in a way that we can remember a certain phrase today. So here's the phrase that I want you to remember. If you leave church today and you don't have anything else in your brain today, forget the fantasy football story, forget Jason Elam, no offense to Jason Elam if he's watching today, I really apologize for that part, but here's the phrase that I want you to leave today with, forget being a messenger, focus on being a missionary. Okay? Forget being a messenger, focus on being a missionary. So here's the story of Jonah. Jonah starts off in chapter one, and this is all we know about Jonah. It says this Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for the evil that has come up before me. Now, I'm not going to put Jonah up on the screen because we're going to fly through. Jonah is four chapters, it takes up exactly this amount of, of space in my Bible. I mean, it's a two page spread, it's tiny. But to cover four chapters, we could easily make this a four-week series, but David didn't give me four weeks. He gave me today. So, we know that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, Jonah knows something about the city of Nineveh. The city of Nineveh is a capital city in Assyria, and Assyria is going to completely wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC. So, this is like saying, go to the enemy city, Just because the evil that they're doing has come up before the Lord and preach against it. So he's saying, Jonah, go be my missionary to the city of Nineveh. And Jonah, filled with this sense of awe and mission, he says to the Lord, absolutely, I will do that. Except he doesn't do any of that. He goes down to a port, he gets on a ship, and he says, I want you to take me in the opposite direction of Nineveh. And the guys on the ship are like, um, sure, okay, your money is good with us. And they do that. Now, the guys on the ship are polytheists, which means they believe in a lot of different gods. And he tells them, the Bible tells us, that Jonah says to these guys, I am running from God. Okay, and it says that, if you don't believe me, it says that right here. For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now, if you went to the airport... And the person in line in front of you said to the ticket agent, I would like to buy a ticket as far away from this particular city as possible because God told me to go to that city, but I don't want to do that. And so I'm fleeing from God. Here's a little tip for you. Don't get on that plane. Don't get on the boat. Don't get in a car with them. That's bad travel advice. Okay, but these ship captains are like, sure, we'll take your money. You're fleeing from God, aren't we all? Let's just go. Okay, so they get in and the rest of chapter 1 for Jonah is they go out into the ocean A storm comes up shocking storm comes up. Jonah is taking a nap So Jonah gets on the boat goes right to sleep He's sleeping like a baby like everyone does when they're fleeing from the god of the universe The ship is being tossed here and there the polytheists who are driving the boat are starting to freak out And so they toss stuff over the, the ship trying to keep everything settled down now, all of a sudden, they're like, the storm is not calming down. The, the throwing stuff overboard didn't work. I don't know why. And so they go to Jonah, they wake him up, and they're like, Dude, start praying to whatever God you pray to, because we're all about to die. And Jonah says to them, you have to throw me overboard, because the God of the universe, the one that I'm fleeing from, uh, is a little bit upset with me. And they're like, uh... We don't really want to commit murder The gods that we pray to aren't big on that And so they do everything else that they can And then finally they acquiesce They throw them overboard And then all of a sudden calm seas for those guys Jonah goes down into the depths And is swallowed up by a fish Okay, Now whether it was a whale or a fish I don't know and I doubt that they knew the difference back then But it says big fish Okay, Chapter 2 Is one of the most beautiful prayers You've ever read in the entire Bible I doubt that's the first draft of that prayer, okay, because if you were swallowed up by a big fish, I'll bet the first draft of that prayer is a lot of screaming, okay, because if you're in the belly of a fish, any of of you saw the Mario movie, okay, he's in the belly of a big fish, they have a nice calm conversation, they light, you know, a candle or something, and they're just talking like normal people, I don't think it goes that way way if you're in the belly of a big fish I'll bet it's screaming, I'll bet you're covered in fish guts And I'll bet there is no King James language like in chapter 2 of this prayer Okay, But eventually Jonah comes to his senses And then in verse 10 of that chapter is one of my favorite verses in the Bible And I'm going to read it to you right now And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up on dry land Okay, I used to be a youth minister So it has to be one of my favorite verses Okay, so Little submarine travel for Jonah And he gets vomited up on the beach Next to Nineveh How convenient for Jonah So Jonah, instead of showing up at Nineveh You know, in, in clean ironed clothes Ready to go Now he shows up in Nineveh Smelling like, you know, fish guts Looking like he was just vomited out of a fish Because he was And he goes to Nineveh And he shows up at Nineveh, and this is his entire Billy Graham crusade, okay? He goes to Nineveh, and it says, 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. There's no three points in a prayer. There's no poem. There's no nothing. He just goes into Nineveh and says, in 40 days, you're going to get nuked. Because God has had it up to here with the evil that you have done, and he's had it. And Nineveh completely repents from the evil that they're doing and when I say completely repents I mean from the king of Nineveh all the way down to the household pets and this is how I know that because the king issues a decree and this is one of my favorite little details in the Bible and it says in chapter 3 of, of Jonah the king issued a decree in verse 7 and he issued a proclamation and And published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. So he's declared a fast. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. So he's not just saying to the people, wear sackcloth and ashes, which is a sign of repentance. He's saying everything in the kingdom, cows, horses, horses, Donkeys, cats, dogs, gerbils, everything. No food for anybody, no drink for anybody. Everybody put on sackcloth and ashes. I want them to be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And then verse 10 Which seems to be a killer verse in all of these chapters When God saw what they did How they turned from their evil way God relented of the disaster He had said he would do to them And he did not do it So yay happy story Right everybody wins Jonah who is now going Straight to the the missionary Hall of fame for his Really elaborate sermon 40 days and you're going to get nuked He should be ecstatic Ecstatic Right, He walked into this major city 120,000 people live in Nineveh He should be over the moon Overjoyed He goes up onto a hilltop To see if God will still nuke them After all the household pets Are still wearing sackcloth and ashes That seems like the heart of a missionary Right? Chapter 4 verse 1 But it displeased Jonah exceedingly And he was angry And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. That was the city in the opposite direction. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Okay. Now y'all you got to have a sense of humor about this. Okay? It's okay to smile in church. Some of you still haven't done that. This is Jonah, a prophet of the Lord, a missionary who has just done one of the most successful campaigns in history and he has gone up onto a bluff to see if God will nuke an entire city and when he doesn't, he pouts like a 3-year-old. What? Now, and and if you're reading this like someone sitting in church, that's fine. But You know that when he said this He's screaming at God He's yelling at God He's stomping his feet He's probably even sitting down Crouched in a little ball Like uh, shaking his fist Like I knew that you were a merciful God And I really don't like that right now This is why I didn't want to come I knew you weren't going to blow these people up And that's really why I came This is the guy who still kind of smells like fish guts Because you know that doesn't go away quickly And God says to him, do you have any right to be angry? What's the problem here? Why is Jonah reacting like this? Because he messed up the two words that we've already introduced for ourselves. Jonah is still being a messenger. And he's not really being a missionary. The Ninevites needed a change. They needed a massive paradigm shift. And so did Jonah. That's why Jonah got to spend three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Because Jonah needed a heart change. And he needed the heart change before the Ninevites got a heart change. And so, getting blurped up on the beach next to Nineveh, he shows up, he gives the message that he was supposed to give. The Ninevites got the change that they needed to get. God got to display the mercy that he wanted to display. And then, after their change Now he has to change again And the sad part about this story Is that we don't have any evidence That Jonah actually did change He asks God to kill him Two more times And at the end It is still God asking him I want To care for this city What's wrong with that That's how the story ends He confused the difference between being a messenger And a missionary Now there's one more word that I want us to focus on today and that is being an ambassador. So forget being a messenger. Focus on being a missionary. But I want to add another word there and it's ambassador. And this scripture I am going to put up on the screen here and this comes from 2 Corinthians 5:14 through 20. And I do want you to see this. Because this is really important scripture here. For the love of Christ, controls us, okay? And in the NIV, that word is compels, which means motivates us to action. For the love of Christ compels us, controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So catch that really quickly. Jesus is saying, look, I died for everybody so that no one would have to pay the penalty for their own sins. No one would have to go to their own cross for what they had done wrong in life. Jesus paid the penalty for everybody. Now, as a result of that, what is the result of that? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself Not counting their trespasses against them And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us We implore you on behalf of Christ Be reconciled to God This is the message that Jonah was bringing to Nineveh. He's saying, there is something between you and God. The sin in your life, the mistakes that you have made, the choices that you have made to go away from God's plan, the way that you have tried to craft joy and happiness for yourself is apart from God's plan. And if you would just ask forgiveness for those things, God is waiting to give you forgiveness and peace and joy. God has already paved a way for that to happen. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, to give you mercy. And joy and love in your life If you would just ask forgiveness If you would just accept the gift That has already been given to you It is there waiting for you And as a result of that gift That love that has already been Shed for you, given to you Now let That love that has already been put On you compel you to live In a particular way Let that love that has already been given to you compel you to serve as ambassadors on behalf of Christ. So it wasn't just the message that Jonah was supposed to deliver. It was the way that Jonah was supposed to deliver it. It wasn't that he was just supposed to walk into Nineveh and say, hey, 40 days, y'all, and you're about to get nuked. It was him supposed to walk in and say, I am on mission with the God of the universe, the God who loves you. And has a plan for you And wants the best for you And let me tell you about him Let me show you what his love is like And let me do that on behalf of something that is foreign to you Because that's what an ambassador is Listen to this An ambassador is a diplomatic agent Of the highest rank Accredited to a foreign nation or a sovereign leader So listen to what that is listen to what the God of the universe has asked you to be He has asked you to be his representative on behalf of something foreign To a world that really doesn't understand and a world that isn't your home And maybe on behalf of a language that that world doesn't speak And it's our job to represent all that stuff that is foreign in a way that is enticing And it's a way that is loving And in a way that that message Does the author of that message justice Do you understand what that means? It's not enough to just say Jesus loves you You have to do it in a way that gives the author of the message All the power of that message In a way that does the author justice And so The key to delivering the love of Christ Is to be loving Go back to that that very first verse there In verse 14 For Christ's love compels us Controls us Because we are convinced That one died for all That Jesus died for all And therefore all died And he died for everybody That those who live Should no longer live for themselves But for him who died for everyone And was raised again When the love of Christ changes your life, it compels you to live for Him. And so that's the question that faces us when I say forget being a messenger and focus on being a missionary ambassador. Are we going to do that in a way? Can we do that in a way? And maybe if I change it a little bit, what if... We lived like missionary ambassadors every day What if We lived like it was our job To introduce people to a foreign country A foreign people A foreign language And a way of thinking every day How would we do that? Because that is our job God has tapped us as ambassadors So think of it this way And think about the missionary wall over here The missions wall over here What do you want when you go to a foreign country? What do you do to prepare yourself for that kind of experience? You get a good guidebook, right? And why do you get a guidebook? You get a guidebook or you look it up on the internet because you want to know what to expect when you get there, right? You want to know the things to see. You want to know how the other culture acts and thinks, the language that they use, some of the key words that you can use to get around You know, sometimes you are going to want a translator when you get there. You're going to want to to connect to someone who is local so that they can explain things. So that they can help you get around so that you will be comfortable when you get there. You want to feel safe when you're there. Now I'm going to ask you a question because this is something Scott alluded to it all the time. I don't know that I preach in a lot of different places. I do preach quite a bit. And some of you are like, really? You should preach more. But that was a joke, y'all. You can breathe. Thank you for two of you I do visit a lot of churches Okay, and I I visit quite a bit and Some of you haven't visited a church in a long time now. This is the part where david from israel is going to scream You'll hear it in a second. You should visit a church Sometime soon because some of you haven't visited a church in quite a while and you don't remember what the experience is like And if you really want to set the bar high, you should visit a church that uses a different language than english because some of you haven't been intimidated by going to church in a really long time And it's, it's an experience, let me tell you Going into a place that is unfamiliar to you And not knowing the words to every song And not knowing where to drop off your kids Not knowing if you even want to drop off your kids there Not knowing when to stand up and sit down Not knowing, you know, are they talking about money in a good way or in a bad way not knowing who the preacher is or, or if it's the B team preacher like me today or if it's the A team preacher like normal You know church is a weird experience You know where else do you go in a in a normal week where somebody you don't know is going to tell you how to live your life Right church is a weird experience And so it's it's not part of our culture anymore where we expect people to be driving past this building on a Sunday morning and expect somebody who is not used to this experience to just pull over because we have donuts right? lots of places have donuts and I don't think ours are dramatically better than the Shipley's down the street except ours are free and so we have to get into that mindset of this is a foreign country and that's okay let me just say that's okay Because we're ambassadors. We've been called ambassadors for 2,000 years. We're supposed to represent something for them because this ultimately isn't our home, and you know what I'm talking about. And so we need to live in such a way that we need to make it safe to explore God's love. We need to make people feel safe as they ask questions about God's love, as they ask questions about this book, as they ask questions about mercy and peace because everybody's seeking peace everybody wants a sense of mercy in their life everybody wants to feel accepted and this is what we preach every week we preach love and acceptance mercy and grace these are these are words that we throw around all the time we want a guidebook for understanding how this book applies to our life how the savior of the world died for us before we were ever born, knew the mistakes that we would make and forgave us ahead of time, how that even works. We need a guidebook. We need a translator. We need to feel safe. And so how does that really work? It works through us. We are the guidebooks. We are the ambassadors. We are the translators. We are the ones who make This feels safe And so this is what I'm going to ask today As we forget about being christian messengers And we focus on being missionaries and ambassadors What does that look like for you? Because if you're a believer in christ today At some point you weren't At some point You made a decision To trust Jesus with your life At some point you said I'm tired Of trying to manufacture grace for myself At some point you decided I'm tired of trying to find joy All by myself And working and trying to overcome All the mistakes that I've made in my life At some point you made that decision To follow Jesus with your life And what I'm asking you to do Is to go back And remember what got you to that decision Because that is going to be so helpful in helping someone else make that decision for themselves. Are you a person that still to this day needs patience? Are you a person that still to this day needs mercy? Are you a person that still to this day needs grace? Then you are a perfect missionary in waiting. Some of you are just waiting to go on the mission field. Some of you right now are being called to full-time vocational ministry. And some of you are like, I just want to go on a trip, and I'm saying that's perfect. All of us, if you're a follower in Jesus, have a testimony. You have a story to tell. I became a follower in Jesus when I was six years old. So clearly I was repenting from a life of crime. But I'll tell you real quickly This is the two minute version of my testimony I I became a follower in Jesus because My parents were divorced It was a fresh event in our house It wrecked our house My mom was crying My three and a half year old brothers who were twins Were crying all the time because when mom's crying They're crying And my mom read us the story of Samson I might be the only person that you know that accepted Jesus Because of the story of Samson But all I heard Was that God could make me strong So I signed up. I said, Lord, if you can make me strong, that's what I need right now. And I will figure out the rest as time goes on. And y'all, God answered that prayer. Not immediately. It's not like I shut off the emotions right then and there. But right there, God said, I have you. I've got you. And I will walk with you because I've been walking with you. But you have the assurance that I will walk with you day after day after day. And that's what I needed. And that's what everyone needs. And so if you're here today or if you're hearing the sound of my voice online and you don't have the assurance that someone is walking with you, let me tell you, God is real. Jesus is real. Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and was raised from the grave and lives now because he wants to walk with you. He wants to give you that assurance He wants to give you that love, that mercy And that grace And all you have to do Is believe All you have to do is accept that gift And all He's going to do is ask you In return To walk With Him And tell people what you're experiencing as a result That's what it means to be on mission With Him So as I tell you again, forget about being a messenger. Focus on being a missionary ambassador. Would you allow me to pray for you? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Father, I want to pray right now that we would remember what it's like to encounter you for the first time. And Lord there are some right now who have never encountered you or might be encountering you right now. And Lord, I just want to pray that your grace and that your mercy and your love would overwhelm us right now. Lord, that we might remember that we are your ambassadors. That it is our job to represent you and to represent you well, to represent you with charity and grace. To represent you to a world and a in a country that does not understand you. And that we need to do that in a, in a way that represents the love and the mercy and the grace that you embody. So Lord, let us be loving and gracious and merciful. Lord, let us be your missionaries. Let us be your ambassadors. And Lord... As we leave this place today, put someone on our hearts that we need to go and be Christ to. Let us serve them well. Let us love them well. Lord, there are some here today that you are sending across the world. There are some that you are sending across the nations. There are some that you are raising up just to go on a trip, which is fantastic. Lord, do what you will in an obvious and an undeniable and an overwhelming way. And we pray this in Jesus' name.